All right, so we've been going through this series, Misunderstanding the Bible, and, and kind of what is the Bible? A kind of a bird's eye view and, 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 and kind of pulling out of what it says to what it is. And, and so just to recap, if you remember week one, we said, here's what you need to know. Here's the kind of the key word you need to know. And that word was canon. And it literally means kind of measuring rod. It's not like, you know, cannonball canon. And, and so what we call, like, the Bible is, we call it the canon of Scripture. And we said it's, it's, it's sort of the bookends, right? This is a library. The Bible's a library. It's 66 books. And the canon is the, all 66. It's all of them together. And so we said, here's how we got the Bible. Here's how, here's how, like, the books that got in, here's what happened. Here's how they got in. There's books that didn't get in, and there's good reasons why. And so we talked about that week one. Week two... We then talked about the two I words, if you remember, inspiration and inerrancy. And we talked about how the Bible is inspired word of God and it's without error. So like as it's being written, it's in what it, t- it tends to communicate. There is no, it's not it, it, like you can trust it because it is God's word given to us without mistake or error. So it, it, we said that it is fully trustworthy and we hold to the inerrancy of scripture very much so. Not everyone does, but we very much do. Last week, then, we talked about um, the, uh, the, some different keywords. We talked about illumination and authority. And illumination is the Holy Spirit's role in our understanding of the Bible. And then authority, we talked about is what right does this have to, to tell me what to do? And how, and we, if you remember this, we said, do we o- obey all of this? And that was kind of a, you know, it was like maybe kind of a, a light bulb moment for some of us or sort of at least made us a little uncomfortable because we said, listen, we're not supposed to obey all of this. We believe all of it, absolutely, but we don't obey all of it. And we went over some passages, Old Testament laws that just simply don't pertain to us, like wearing, like wearing clothing of mixed, of mixed media, like, like uh, if, it's, if it's wool and linen, don't wear it. Or you can't have, if you remember this one, you can't eat or touch pigs. Ooh, that was rough. That would be, guys, that would be rough to live in the Old Testament because no bacon, no ham, none of it. It's all out, right? So we looked at that and said, okay, now, like, this is the authority. It all holds authority, but what holds authority for us? And we looked at New Testament and certainly Jesus' commands. And so we talked about, and then if you remember, we talked about the difference between uh, description and prescription. Descriptive text, where it's describing what happened, and then prescriptive, here's what you are to do. And to know that distinction is really, really important. All right, now we jump in today, and we're kind of, if you've noticed, we're kind of progressing as we go along. Now we're going to jump into not just what the Bible is, but now how do we understand it? Some overall principles as you're reading Scripture to say, this is how I find out and discover the meaning of a text. And this is where this is where we can get into real trouble if we don't, like, if we don't understand the right way to do this, the process. So um, I, I, uh, I, some of us have experience in this. Some of us, maybe a lot of us don't. But have you ever, when, we've probably watched shows on this, but I, I wonder, like you have, I always wonder um, how, and this is kind of a random question out of left field, but it'll make sense here in a second. How do cults start? Like when we think of cults and usually like, it's, it's like, you know, in the past, gosh, couple decades, some of them made the news because like it's just sort of this weird stuff. And, and a lot of times they either get arrested or there's like mass suicide stuff and you're going, all right, how did that happen? Because these are religious like organizations or groups or cults and, 
and, and they'll even use the Bible. And you're going, all right, I know what they're doing is wrong, but how did, how did these people get to that point? And how did this person, this guy, uh, like get, get to a spot where he could convince other people that he was right um, and that like, like they should give up all of their life and devote themselves to him and his teaching? How does that happen? Now, I say that not as like a, like a hypothetical, but, but legitimately, I, I like, there, there are good reasons as to why and how that happens. And, and some, listen, some of us, this may be a sore subject because some of us might have like firsthand experience and it was like shocking and, and really difficult. And I get it. Listen, I understand. Because it's really, listen, it's really effective and deceptive. And so how does that happen? How does someone go from like, from like where you are maybe to then in a cult or, or just even like, like, in a, like a, believing something that's totally different than what like is kind of traditional understood meaning of Christianity or scripture or the Bible or God. We're gonna answer that, like how that happens and, and then how, how we have really often really bad understanding of scripture because of what we're talking about today. So how do we properly understand and interpret scripture? We're gonna look at two words, okay? You can kind of catch the theme here through this series. We're looking at, at two words that kind of become the theme things that, that we are focusing on. And that is this. This morning, we're looking at the context and the background of scripture. This is really important. The context of scripture and the background of scripture. This is how we combat like like really bad understandings or misunderstandings or misinterpretations of scripture. So I went to um, I went to seminary, I went to Bible college, uh, university Bible uh, private Christian college and then um, got a degree in Christian education. Then I went to seminary because, you know, I just wanted to spend more money on stuff. And, and so I went to seminary, went, uh, got an education and uh, got an MDiv. And I, and I remember one of the first things that we talked about in our, uh, in our Bible classes, um, specifically in interpreting Bible. I remember m- one, of my, one of my first mentors and pastors in my life that kind of helped me understand scripture. He said, there's three rules. There are three rules to interpreting Scripture, and these are the most important three rules. These three rules apply to you, they apply to me, they apply to everyone who opens up the Bible. So if there were ever a time where you were like, all right, these are the three things I need to know, and I promise you don't, you don't even need to write them down. You're going to memorize them. You're going to know it. These are the three things. Like These three things are essential for you to understand Scripture. Okay, the first one. If you are writing this down, you can write this down. Here we go, all right? But you'll, you'll be able to memorize it. Here we go. Number one, rule number one is context. You have to know the context of what you're reading. The verse, the passage, the word. You have to say, what is the stuff around this that helps me understand what this means? So many times, we'll look at this. We're gonna have some fun this morning. I promise it's gonna be good. Um, it's good every week, right? Yeah, yeah, but today especially, it's gonna be especially good. Um, There's so many times where someone will pull out a verse out of like where it sits in the Bible and read it and say, this is what it means. And they didn't do any other work to see the context by which like like where that's placed and how you understand what that means. Okay, so that's rule number one. Rule number two, ready? Is context. 
you have to understand the context of the passage or verse or word you're reading. Okay, rule number three, it's a lot like rule number one and rule number two. It is, ready? Say it with me. All right, so the three rules, the three rules are context, context, and context. You have to know what you're reading and what comes before it, what comes after it, and the stuff around it. Then that is what helps you understand what this verse means. So this is the thing, I remember hearing this too. This is the thing that, that, um, that honestly, honestly will stop most cults dead in their tracks because the, what they'll do is they'll take a verse out and they'll say, read this, see what it says, let's do that. And, and people are like, oh, that's, yeah, that's what the Bible says. That's, yep, that's why we drink poison or handle snakes or we, like, because we got this verse and we pull it out and we say, this is what it means. This is what you're supposed to do. But listen, because you're here this morning, you are gonna, you're gonna have some tools to say, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's true. In fact, that might be descriptive, not prescriptive. Already you're like, you've, you've already won the fight. And now you're like, let's look at the context. You do that and that will, uh, it will stop all kinds of misunderstandings about the Bible. So context, reading the Bible in context means looking at every, the verse, the passage as it relates to your verses. The chapters, the broader narratives, it's looking at this verse and saying, Whoever wrote this, whatever the author, whoever the author is, whether it's a gospel or Peter or an Old Testament Isaiah, he wrote this, but this isn't the only thing he wrote. So what else did he write that helps me understand this? Um, we, we do this, like you do this just naturally. Someone sends you an email. You don't read one sentence of the email and say, I know what they wrote me. That would be crazy. Could you imagine responding to, like, just picking out a sentence that, you know, your boss or a client sent you and then respond only to that and neglect everything else? Your response and understanding of that email written to you would be incomplete and wrong, and you would probably get a follow-up email of, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> if, if, uh, if someone writes you a letter, or, uh, or, um, or, uh, um, or you get a letter from, uh, from maybe a kid who's away or a spouse and, and they write this heartfelt thing. You don't look, you don't read one sentence or one word and say, oh, I got it. You read all of it. And, and especially the confusing stuff, you need to know the context. So you read the stuff before and the stuff after. Listen, that is true when we read Scripture. It means knowing what other ideas and themes and, and other writings or stories the author was thinking about. It means seeking to understand how all of this context influences and affects your understanding of that verse or that word or that passage. Now, how do we do this? How do you read your Bible in context? Okay, I'm gonna give you the right way and we'll go through some principles and it's gonna be good. And then I'm gonna give you the wrong way and we're gonna illustrate and, 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 and that's gonna hurt, I promise. It's gonna hurt a little because you're gonna go, ooh, oh, I might be guilty of that. In fact, I, I, like once we get into this, I need to preface, I'll do it again. I'm gonna preface it now and I'll preface it later. I might even ruin a few Bible verses for you. I'm really sorry but it's gonna mess up maybe some of your kind of like long-term thinking and understanding. But as always, you will see that I'm right. Oh, that's, a, that's such an easy joke. I apologize, really. I'm not always right, but most of the time. 
So here we go. We're going to jump in, okay? Here's what you need to know. The right way and the wrong way. They're two big words, and you don't need to memorize the words or know the words. You can if you want, um, but, but you need to understand them. And they are this. Exegesis and eisegesis. Anyone heard those terms before? Exegesis and eisegesis. They're the same thing, but opposite. And it has to do with not just scripture, but just in any text. It has to do with how you understand and pull out the meaning of the text, whatever the text may be. So let's look first at exegesis. Here's the definition. The critical interpretation of a biblical text to discover the author's intended meaning. Here's what this means. It means pulling the meaning out of the text. Ex, E-X means out or from. So when we're talking about exegesis, it means I'm pulling meaning from what I'm reading. I'm letting the writer who wrote down what they, like what they wanted, I'm letting them determine their meaning and it's my job to discover it. So I, I look at this and I say, all right, you wrote this down, whatever I'm looking at, Peter, Paul, Luke, I'm reading this. You have an intended meaning and a message behind it. It's my job to find out what that is and pull it out. This is where we get the word exegetical from. Maybe you've heard this word. People will talk about exegetical preaching or exegetical like books or summaries. It means I'm gonna just look at the text and we're gonna discover what it means and we're gonna talk about that. I'm gonna pull meaning from the text, okay? Eisegesis, you can imagine then the opposite. Eis means into, so in Greek. So into means putting meaning into the text. So eisegesis is the bad way. It's the wrong way, but it's so often what so many of us do. It's the process of interpreting a text in such a way as to introduce one's own presuppositions, agendas, or biases. It's, it's when we read the text, we read the scripture and we say, this is, ready? Okay, here's the first like, oh, he got me. This is what it means to me. Oh. If I, can I be honest with you right now? Okay, I mean, I'm always honest, but super honest. Ready? It doesn't matter what you believe it means. And if we're in a Bible, if you're ever in a Bible study with me and someone's like, you know, you have this question, what does this mean to you? And someone, and I'll, you know, and we'd be gracious to certainly, and you say, well, to me, this verse means my response, and I won't say this to you like out loud, will be super nice, but my response when I hear that is, is this, I don't care what it means to you. I don't care what it means to you or to you, or to you, or to you. We're sitting in a Bible, like we don't, like there's a couple hundred of us in this room. We look at a verse and we say, all right, give us a couple hundred meanings of this verse. All of them are meaningless. What I want to know is what it means. What does this mean? When the author wrote this, when, like, when God breathes this and inspires them to write this down, and I want to know what he wants me to know. You see the difference? Exegesis, I pull the meaning out. Eisegesis, I come to the text and I'm literally imposing my meaning onto it. And I look at the words, I pull out this verse and I say, this is what it means to me. As though that has some kind of authority over other people. As though somehow like what this verse means to you has some kind of authority over me when I say, oh man. Like when you were in school, you remember this? Um, the teachers would say, hey, there are no dumb questions. Okay, listen, I, I remember the first time I heard that and I thought, I bet you I can come up with four right now. <laughs> like, there are no, listen, there are no dumb questions. There's no wrong questions. And I'm going, actually, 
there's a lot. And this kid just asked one, and you're being nice to him. <laughs> and, and like, listen, there's no wrong meaning. There's no wrong. I, I hear that, and I go, actually, actually, there is a lot of wrong meaning we can put onto a text. So when we say this is what it means to me or what it means to me or this is my understanding of it, hey, that's wonderful, ready? You could be very, very wrong. So how do we, how do we make sure that we submit to what the text says, what the scriptures say, as opposed to, well, this is what I want them to say. So let's talk about this. How do we do it right? Some tips doing and how to do it right. And we're going to talk now about exegesis. So um, if you're taking notes, these are like three things that, will, that you can do that will really, really help you. And they aren't context, context, context. Those are like the overarching principles. These you might, if you're taking notes, you can write these down. The first is this, read larger portions of scripture. This is like right out the gate. You open up your Bible, you read a verse and you say, I got it, I'm done. I know what this means. With all due respect. No, you don't. You pulled a line out of a letter or a sentence out of an email, and now you, you think you know what the whole thing says. So here's how you combat that. You read a larger portion. You read the entire chapter. Or, ready for this? This is crazy. This is crazy. You can read an entire book in one sitting, especially if it's a letter and it's like four chapters or six chapters. Listen, you're allowed to read all of it. Did you know that? You can. You can do that. No one will stop you. And so for you to say, I want to know what this verse means, here's what you do. You read it in context, so you read larger portions of Scripture. Okay, here we go. I hope you're ready. I hope you're sitting down because this is going to be the next, like, oh, let me illustrate. A a very well-known verse that I'm going to guess a lot of us might even have memorized. Here it is. Ready? Book of Philippians, chapter 4. Verse 13. You know this verse? Philippians 4.13. I can do all things or all this through him who gives me strength. This is a verse that's quoted on, uh, on like certain athletes' shoes or, um, or they'll claim, like they'll talk about this. This is on, on greeting cards. This is, um, this is like what people will, will say or like, pro, like a promise they'll give back to the Lord when, when like they want something and they can do something. And it's this idea that, that like, again, you pull, we pull this verse out of its context where it sits and we say, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Wow, you know what that tells me? I have more power than I thought. I can do more than I thought. I can make this game-winning shot or throw a touchdown or, or get the job or, or complete this project. Listen, I can get an A on this test. You know why? Not because I studied. No, that is for, it's like crazy people. Study? What? No, no, here's what I I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So I'm gonna pray, Lord. Lord, I didn't study. I was busy. I was busy doing other stuff. Really important stuff. So, but I know I can do all things through you who give me strength. So give me the strength to understand molecular biology right now. <laughs> and, and you can easily get to this point where you, where you see this verse and you say, this means I can, like there's no obstacle in front of me that I can't overcome. Now, is that what this verse means? 
I'm gonna get, just simply because I'm bringing it up, you can guess I'm gonna say no. <laughs> and, but like, if you're just in a setting with people and you read this verse and you're like, here's what it means to me, here's what it means to me, it means I can do this, I can overcome this thing, and this thing is no, there's no obstacle in front of me that he can't get me through and I can't overcome it. And like, I'm, like with, with the, the strength that I have in Jesus, I can literally do anything. Man, that sounds awesome. Let's read the context of what this says, right? So rule, rule number one is to read larger portions. So Philippians 4, verse 13. Let me read the beginning. So just let's just go back a few verses and we'll get an understanding of what Paul is saying. He says this, verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not even gonna comment. I'm just gonna read it and I'm gonna let you understand what this verse means. Verse 11, I am not saying this because I am in need for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Verse 13, I can do all things, all this, through him who gives me strength. Now, is he talking about throwing the game-winning touchdown? Is he talking about putting these verses on your shoes? Or, or this idea that, that listen, God will, God will give me victory and success in anything I put my mind to because I can do all things. You just simply read the context and you realize, here's what he's talking about. Surviving through anything that I, he's like, literally, I can withstand any hardship. Here's what I've learned. I've learned what it means to have plenty and then to have nothing. I've learned what it means, like, to be clothed and not clothed, to be well-fed and not fed. Like, I've learned what it means that regardless of any circumstance I'm in, that I can get through this thing. Because, here it is, because I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Ooh. You read this verse in its context and you realize this isn't about like some supernatural power God gives you because like you claim Jesus' name. It's this, that God will give you the ability to withstand and make it through any situation or hardship because of the strength we find in Jesus. You see the difference now? You just simply read the context and you realize this isn't a sports verse. This isn't like a car, you put on a card about like finding inner strength. This really is about Jesus giving us the, the ability to withstand and maintain our faith and our ability to walk through any situation life throws at us, whether it's really easy or like he says, incredibly difficult. It's not relying on my own strength. I can't do this on my own strength. It's saying, God, I can get through this through you. All right. This is the hardest thing in my life I've ever gone through and I want to just throw in the towel. But I know, just like Paul, I can get through this just like he did. Not because I'm strong, but because you're strong. Ooh, that's a very different meaning from this verse. This is just one example of literally thousands. And we see, man, reading larger portions of context, the verses give us the ability to understand what this means and what this means in its context. All right, number two, ready? Okay, did I ruin that verse for you? You're welcome. All right, number two. So not only read larger portions of scripture, but your job is to follow where the Bible leads. Follow the Bible wherever it leads you. Here's what we mean by this. When you're reading the New Testament, 
and it quotes the Old Testament, here's what you do. You pause and you open up the New Testament verse, the passage, and you read that and you say, whoever was writing this, this Paul, Peter, John, they had this in mind, so I should probably look at this if I'm gonna understand this. Do you know what I'm saying? Think of it like this. Let's use the, the email analogy. You have an email, and in that email, they quote a previous email. If you remember what I said in the last email, I wrote this. Here's what I meant. Here's what I want you to do now. And you'd say, man, if I didn't know what that previous email sent, like what it, what it read, I wouldn't know what they're talking about. So I follow the chain, and I go up to the previous one to find the meaning of what they just said. Okay, this is the same thing in the Bible where we look at this and we say, all right, there's a trail here and it leads to another passage, another underst- another like area where I should really know what this means. Let's go through an example, right? I'll show you like, again, why this is important. Okay, Luke uh, chapter four, verse 16. This uh, 16 and following. This is a, a, an important passage. It's a well-known one. It's one of the few times um, where um, it's like at the beginning of Jesus's ministry and he gets up and he shares something and it's, the, it's like the, be- the, the, the first time where, where they realize this guy is different. Like this dude, what this dude says is different than what everyone else says. Here's what it says, okay? So starting, um, starting in verse 16, it says this. He, Jesus, went to Nazareth where he had Uh, where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. So he did this often. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. So we have this setting where Jesus is getting ready to preach and like, hey, Rabbi, come up, come up and, and share. All right, great. Here's Isaiah. All right, great. And he unrolls it and he gets ready to read. Here's what he says. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He quotes from Isaiah chapter 61, and we'll, verses 1 and 2. We'll look at that in a second. And then it says this. Then he rolled up the scroll. This is like the shortest sermon ever. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And then he said this. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So here's what he says. Ready? He gets up, he reads this passage, and then he sits down, he hands it back to them, he sits down. It's like the equivalent of kind of a current day mic drop where he's like, hey, today this is fulfilled he sits down and he's like all right guys today that passage from isaiah is fulfilled i'm that guy and then everyone's looking at him going who is this guy do you like you just said not what it means but you just said you fulfilled that like you are the guy doing that now you want to understand this passage? Here's what was really important. You, you and I, our job is to lead where the, like go where the Bible leads and say, you know what would be good? You know what would be wise? Let's read Isaiah 61. Let's see what that says. Let's see what he actually quoted and let's see if there's any additional insight. Shall we? All right. Isaiah chapter 61, verses one and two. Here it says, this is what he quotes. 
The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom from the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You read that and say, all right, that makes sense. Wow, he really quoted that. But listen, he stopped short of the end of verse two. There's a very particular part that he doesn't quote. And so what we then ask ourselves is why? Jesus, why did you stop literally mid-verse? You're quoting Isaiah. You're saying, I'm fulfilling this, but you stopped. You didn't quote all of it. Here's the rest, and verse two keeps going, but here's the next part, and this is like he stops right here for a reason. Here it is, ready? He doesn't read this part. Here's what this part says. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and here it is, and the day of vengeance of our God. He stops that part. He doesn't read that part. He doesn't say this part is being fulfilled. So listen, we read this and we say, all right, this is again, one example of just hundreds and hundreds of these like following where the, like kind of the breadcrumbs where it leads. And we realize here's what Jesus is doing. He's saying, this is what he says. I'm gonna fulfill this in two parts. And while I'm here on ministry on earth, I'm only doing the first part. The only the first part is fulfilled in your hearing and there's a time, this day of vengeance of the Lord that I'm gonna fulfill later. You and I are living in between like th these sections of this verse. Verse two, in between the, the year of the Lord's favor, we're in that, wonderful. We have the gospel and salvation. And then, but then there's a day of the vengeance coming and he says, that I haven't fulfilled yet, but rest assured, it's coming. He's talking now about like the end and the day of judgment. And like, like there is a time, like time will run out. And God's favor and grace, like, like the opportunity to, to know him, it will eventually run out and it will become wrath. Ooh. Again, if you're just reading Luke and you read through that and you say, oh, that's nice. He quoted an Old Testament story. That's very, we do that here. We, we talk about Bible. We talk about Old Testament Bible stories and, and it's wonderful. But when you read it and realize, oh man, there's, there's way more going on here than just simply him quoting scripture. All of a sudden you start to realize, man, now I have a better understanding of what is happening and probably why they're all looking at him like, What? You're that guy? You're like, you're the guy who's gonna do all of that? So, for us, we follow where the Bible leads. Okay, number three. Here's the deal. This is, and this is important. If you, and I, I wanna encourage you, I hope as we go through this series on the Bible, you get more like anxious and excited to read the Bible, to understand it more. So here's number three. For those who are like, I wanna dig in more. Use, number three, use a good commentary. I promise you, I promise you, you opening up this scripture and just reading it, you will not have a full understanding of all the background and all the context and all the, like the, the first century customs that are happening. So for us, we need, we need some additional resources from other people like what, that were way smarter than us to say, here's what's going on and give us the background. So we can say, wow, that, that makes so much more sense knowing that additional info. So if I could, like, you should get, I'm gonna lift, list four resources. You, I, I, you should, I wanna encourage you to get at least three of them. The first is a single, a good single volume commentary. I've even done the work and provided you a good one. The Believer's Bible 
commentary. There's all kinds of commentaries. And again, they're all over the spectrum. But, but this is like just a solid verse by verse kind of, you can read, as you read scripture, you're reading this. It's one volume, one book you can get online. I think it's, I don't know, it's not even a lot of money. You can go on Amazon and get it for fairly cheap and say, all right, I have a really good resource that will help me dig deeper into the scriptures. Now, there's all kinds of Bible comment, single volume commentaries. You can get anyone you like, but this is a good one. Um, there's a number of really good ones. Okay, um, next, you want the another option is an expository commentary, or often maybe called an exegetical commentary. And this, these are commentaries. These are the ones that I like get, in, get heavy into. And these are an entire book written on just one book or one page or one passage. So this is now a, a whole library of a commentary. So one commentary set, maybe 30, 40, 60 volumes. This is like big dog. This is, this is where like for most people, you're re- looking at this going, okay, this is a lot, right? These are hundreds of dollars, sometimes thousands of dollars. And, and these are, if you want to go deep, deep, they'll, they'll pull out a verse and a, and a word, they'll pull out a, the first word of a verse and you're like, there are 14 pages on this word. All right, here we go. <laughs> and, you're, and like that, that is a deep, deep. Right? You're deep sea diving when you get into some of these. And there's various options and they all do different things. So I, I can't even give you like, here's the one you should get because they all do very different things. Okay, so that's one that you, you know, you don't really, it's not essential for you. The, the third is a background commentary. And this one, this one is like this, this one, if you're serious about this, these, you should just go get these today. Go get it before Amazon runs out. The IVP Bible, uh, Bible background commentary, there's two volumes, Old Testament, New Testament. Go grab this. This gives you the, here's what this means in first century or in fourth century BC. Here's what's happening behind the scenes. Here's what like the historical set, like setting of this passage or this verse, here's what this means. So you read this and you go, oh my goodness, I didn't know any of that. This helps you read with sort of the first century eyes. And, and like when they're writing this, when the readers are reading this, here's what it means. Like here's how they understood it. Here's the, the last one, a Bible dictionary, a good Bible dictionary. And my, one of my favorites is the Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary um, because that second word, it's got pictures. Awesome. <laughs> so you can get a Bible dictionary. You look up a word or a, or a place and it gives you a, here's an entry about this particular thing or place or theological term or, or whatever it may be. It's got a dictionary of all, like all kinds of Bible places and people and things, and you can just learn a ton. Now, let's talk about eisegesis. So that's exegesis. You want to have a better understanding? You look at the context, you look at where it leads you, and you have some good resources to help you understand here's what this means. Now, let's talk about eisegesis and how we, how we some principles that help us understand and combat it. First, what you need to know. The Bible was written for us. Ready? Ready for this? Ready for this? But not about us. The Bible was written for you, but it's not written about you. You don't get to say, I'm going to put my name in this passage and make it about me. That is us saying, I'm putting my understanding, presuppositions, my, my preferences into what it says. I'm going to make this about me. Now, let's, our natural inclination is to do this. We just naturally do this. 
Now let's, again, oh, I'm going to ruin another verse for you. Are you okay with that? Doesn't matter. Here we go. The book is Jeremiah. The chapter is 29. Do you know the verse? Yes, you do. Verse 11. It might be your favorite verse, and I apologize. You know what? I will allow you to walk out right now so you don't have your favorite verse ruined. Jeremiah 29 11 this is one that again it goes if you know if there's a if there's a Christian greeting card of any kind it's usually this like this is the verse and this like it's and it's honestly it's a great verse it's wonderful now let's just let's just read it without saying it's about me and instead saying let's look at the context shall we here it is, Jeremiah 29, 11. I, some of, uh, probably a lot of us have it memorized. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. To give you a hope and a future. And you can see why that's a wonderful verse. And you say, that's exactly what I want. I want plans not to be harmed. I want a hope and a future. Like, Lord, this is it. And you have plans for me? You have plans for me? Little old me? And these are them? That is amazing. Until you read the context of this verse and you realize, I don't want the rest of it. Here's what verse 10 says. Right before verse 11, Jeremiah 29.10. None of you have this memorized. None of, nobody has this tattooed on them. Here's what it says. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Oh, oh, you got to wait 70 years for that plan to prosper you, not to harm you. Lord, I don't want that. I don't know if I'm going to make it to 70. I have to wait 70 years? If this is about me, he's saying, listen, after 70 years, you're going to go through 70 years, and then I'm going to bring you out because, here's why, I have a plan for you. Israel, specifically, Israel, who's in exile in Babylon, he's saying, I haven't forgot about you. I have plans for you, Israel, and you're going to wait 70 years, but I have plans for you, and it's not to harm you. It's to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future, and we like the hope and future. What we don't like is him saying, hey, listen, it's going to take 70 years for this to happen. You read the context and you say, maybe it's not. Oh, maybe this isn't about like God having a, a specific plan for hardship to never come my way. And to think, he all, listen, he doesn't, want, he doesn't want harm. All he wants is hope and future and goodness. So anything bad, man, anything bad must be, it must be. Not like, it's not what God wants for me. So I should avoid it. When in reality, what he's saying is, you're going to experience hardship. But through it all, listen, what I want is your good. And it may mean going through difficult things to get there. We don't want the difficult things. We just want, Lord, just, I would just want to be there. Please, please just give me the good stuff. And he's saying, sure, but listen, here's what I did with Israel. It took 70 years of exile. And then I brought them back. Now, what would you like in your life? <laughs> Lord, I'm going to erase that verse from my, uh, my, my, like my memory. So I want to, okay, that's not going to be my thing. All right. Again, we do this. The Bible is written for us, but it's not about us. Second part. The Bible is written for us. Ready? Not to us. Okay. This is important. 
We're, like, none of, these, none of these books or letters are addressed to you. Where he's saying, Dear Brandon, here's what I want for you. Thus saith the Lord. And he goes through. Dear, insert your name, John or Samantha or Susie, like, dear so-and-so. And, and, and so many times we think of the Bible and we're like, oh, this is God's love letter written to you. No, it's not. Like, this is a weird love letter. There's just crazy stuff in here. If this is his love letter to me, like, Lord, you, 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 you messed up the genre. <laughs> this is not a love. And, and like, this isn't written to us. Now, let me just illustrate, okay? Um, I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna use, I need a volunteer to just, all you gotta, you don't have to come on stage. All you're gonna do is just say one word and you're gonna help us out. Okay, anyone, any, any kids in here? Anyone like younger-ish, like any teenagers or, it, it, there's, I see, uh, mom, mom offered your hand. Good, perfect. She did this and he did, mom. Yeah, okay. So here's what I want you to do, all right? Here's what I want you to do. I just want you to say stop. That's all I want you to do. I'm going to thumb, thumb through this. We're going to hear, the, this is the Lord's, this is what God is saying to you this morning, okay? So here's the deal. You tell me when to stop, and we're going to read what God wants for you. Ready? I'm just going to thumb through it. You tell me when to stop. Real loud. Okay, you saw that, right? This is not rigged. This isn't pre-planned. He had no idea we were doing this. Okay. This is... Oh, all right. Um, this is, I think this is what the Lord has for you this morning. Because the Bible is written to us, remember. It's titled, David Mourns. Hmm. Now, uh, Ahimeaz, son of Zodok, those are, seem to be important names for you in your life, said, let me run and take the news to the king that the Lord has vindicated him and delivered him from the hands of his enemy. Okay, that's, that's wonderful. Um, go, go down, come what may. He said, come what may, and I want to run. All right, so here's what the Lord wants for you. He wants you to jog today. It sounds like. You're like, so, so Joab said, run. All right, we're going to wait till you obey the Lord here. You, I think you need to start running. <laughs> here's, listen, we can go on, and you can read like, okay, all right. While David was sitting between the inner and outer gates, the watchman went up to the roof and, and he looked out. He saw a man running alone. This, listen, thus saith the Lord, you guys. We just heard God speak to us. You and I, as much as we don't want to, we're supposed to take up jogging. And other people, I guess, are supposed to watch us. <laughs> now listen, here's what we do. This is a silly illustration, silly way to do this, but there are so many times where we do this. I'm guilty of this, where I say, all right, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me. I want to hear from you. And I open up to something, and okay, Lord, this is it. Song of Solomon. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Lord, speak to me. Divine, divine. You just, and and we, here's what we do. We, we read something, and, you, and we say, God, that's what you have for me. Now listen, the Bible was written for you but not to you. It isn't that he's saying every single thing in here is what I want for you, but rather the overall story, like here's what, the, what it's communicating, that's what I want for you. So this is, it's clearly, clearly a bad way to read scripture, to just open it up and say, uh, verse, boom, read, all right, Lord, talk to me. Almost like a fortune cookie. Tell me what I'm supposed to know. Here's what we're supposed to do instead. Okay, ready? We'll, we'll end with this. 
To understand the meaning of Scripture, I need to understand the context of Scripture. This is, listen, this is so important. And of all the things you remember and like how I understand and interpret Scripture, if I really want to know what it means, I have to know the context of Scripture. So would you do this? Would you stand with me? We're going to pray and worship the Lord. And then you see that we have the elements here. We're going to, we're going to take communion together um, after, uh, after we sing. So, so Lord, we love you. And we thank you for your word, that your word is truth, your word is trustworthy, and your word is for us. Help us to better understand the meaning of what you said. Not our meaning or what we wanted to say, but rather we sit in authority, we submit ourselves to the authority of what you said through your word. Help us as we read the Bible to do that very thing. We worship you now, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name.